The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. of the business podcast i am your co-host jp john paz from the two-man power trip of wrestling and of course i am joined by mr a trump mania himself lavi marklin lavi how you doing today sir hi john i'm doing well um you know had a great time with all of the guests the last few weeks but i'm excited about tonight there's so much happening in the business that we can jump into the news yeah, I feel like we haven't touched on the news in a while because we had so many guests, you know, right in a row there. Mark Out Media, Adrian from uh, Middle Kingdom Wrestling. Then we had Adam Parsons from the uh, Jared Parsons Wrestling Entertainment. So we had a bunch of uh, interviews in a row. And Brandon Thurston, can't forget about him from WrestleNomics, uh, an all-star cast of characters there right in a row. So I feel like we haven't really touched on the news in quite a while. Yeah, then there's so much interesting things going on, especially as it relates to distribution. Now, this is going to be episode number 16 of the show. First and foremost, let's just kick it off with a little Ring of Honor. What's going on with them as of right now? So um, something interesting that I noticed, they haven't yet written a, a press release about it or anything. They just tweeted out that you could watch their um, Best on the Planet uh, 24-7 streaming platform not only on their stir network but they wrote on the plex app so i found that curious because i hadn't heard about plex before and it was interesting to see because this is the second mode of distributing this programming um when they wrote their press release originally they talked about um that stadium um the um the network that they own or mostly own would be helping them to distribute. But this is the first sign of sort of getting out of their own ecosystem a little bit to get on Plex. Are you familiar with the Plex app? I am familiar with it, but I never really looked into it as far as actual uh, wrestling on there. Yeah. So I'm, I was very curious myself. So um, just for people that want to learn, as I was learning, Plex is a media server and streaming service. Um, what sets it as apart is that it allows you to access and stream all of your media. So sort of like um, uh, putting it all in one place. But also they're getting into, um, you know, uh, video on demand and, uh, and accessing other streaming platforms. So it's a streaming service, but it operates differently from Netflix or Amazon Prime, which is interesting because, you know, it feels like there's so many of those different services out there. How do you create a, a competitive advantage? I'm so confused, though, because Stir, Plex, um, 
you know, ROH world or what, you know, the, what they have going on online with the, the, the honor club, I guess it's not really ROH world anymore. It's really the honor club, but it's so many different services. Are they all different from each other? Do they all do the same thing? If you had one, would you even bother getting the other? Right. So ROH world are friends that um, they cover ROH, but they're independent. I know they're big fans of the show. So shout out, <laughs> shout out to them. Um, well, I meant uh, that, that old service. Didn't they used to call it the ROH yes, world when they the originally club. Okay. Um, although yeah. I'm sure, you know, it gets so confusing <laughs> um, sometimes. And uh, I know like Ian Riccoboni would go on the ROH world message boards and like solicit if you had questions. So one thing does roll into the other. So, um, so, okay. So the honor club, of course, is their uh, premium platform where sometimes they live stream, but mostly it's video on demand. Um, like their pay-per-views are now included at, uh, the regular price level. Um, you have some archive, you have all the archive pay-per-views. Um, and then there's some other content. They haven't gotten around to putting all the DVDs up. I think it's some of that is, um, uh, music rights um, that you have to sort out. So that's that. Then they have their on Stir, which is a fast free ad support television, which is becoming part of our lingo here on the show. So they have their ROH best in the world or something like that, um, which is on Stir. So that had been self-contained. So this is now the first time that we're seeing that if you're not going through a Sinclair platform that you can access this uh, 24-7 streaming uh, uh, channel. So this is going to give maybe different content, or is it all going to be the same content? It'll be the same content, but they might reach different people, because I don't know how many... I mean, they talk about how many people downloaded Stir from time to time, but... Um, but this is a, a smart way of, of reaching out and hopefully they'll be doing it a lot more. It seems like Plex is now integrated with things like Apple. So you get people like that, but you know, everyone has their favorite platforms and services. So the more that you can uh, meet people where they are, the better. I know that you are a big Roku person. Yes. Yes. Love me some Roku. It's odd. I do have that Plex app on there, but I've never actually clicked on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should. For for some reason, I have a joke in my head like Plexi Lexi, you know, when they used yes. to say Lex Luger. Fle yeah, Flexi Lexi. Yeah. <laughs> as far as kind of all the different things, I know they're going to reach different uh, people, possibly. Are they going to reach enough people, you think? I think right now they're they're certainly not very broad. They're sort of feeling their way. I think sort of when you create a service like that initially and it's for an in-house service, you're hoping that when you share something exclusively that um, that people will sign up for that service to get it. I mean, for me, I did that. I downloaded it through my Amazon Fire Stick because I wanted to see the channel and, and get some uh, screenshots of this uh, new ROH streaming service. So I'd imagine that attracts some people. And that's when you own all these platforms, that's ideally what you want. But the reality is that unless it's so, so appealing and you're such a huge ROH fan, which are less and less these days, then the best way to reach people is to meet them where they are, eventually getting places like 
a Pluto and the Roku and, um, you know, maybe Amazon Fire and, and wherever else so that you can attract more people if the, the money and the contracts are right. Is it one of those things where it's too many apps now? You know, you got Plex. Uh, we were we always like to talk about Pluto, you know, and 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 all the different uh, apps that are really out there to download and get. Too many right now? Too crazy? I think it'll sort itself out. Like you know, they're certainly distinguishing themselves in terms of like which are the free ad support ones, which do you have to subscribe to, uh, which are integrated, like. Um, you know, which come when, when you get a new TV, which are already on there or which are on your phone. Um, but I think these things will sort themselves out because remember, like on a much smaller level in the pro wrestling business and distribution, remember how many streaming services there were? And now there's still quite a few very niche ones, but like of the big ones, like a lot of them are gone or they're rolled one into the other. It's a crazy world out there. It's like the wild, wild west out there with these apps. It's kind of fun to see, um, you know, how things shake out because it's it is like you mentioned, wild west, and like everyone's sort of finding their footing. And some of these, you know, they they start out really hot or with a lot of money behind them, like a Quibi, and um, and they implode like very quickly. And um, we all remember. I mean, Flow Sports is doing quite well um, from what I gather, and they have Adam Swift. Um, over there now who was with um, Access TV and um, with Mark Cuban for a number of years, the big pro wrestling fan who the, you know, as the legend is, he was an observer reader um, and then brought ROH over and then New Japan. So um, blood the predating him, of course, by a number of years, the flow um, slam was a notable disaster. So you had those, but you know, IWTV, um, you know, when they started out as Powerbomb, I actually first heard about it through WrestleNomics and it just seemed like a little bit off the radar. Like, how are they going to survive with all these other big players? But look, you know, they're right up there, you know, if not the highest profile streaming services, but for like serious pro wrestling fans, I think you would go there first before like the zone. Yeah, look at like uh, apps like Tubi and stuff dominating uh, with a lot of reruns and stuff. So it's interesting to see what people are looking for or getting into or what apps are becoming more popular than other apps. Yeah, maybe we should actually um, talk about Tubi um, right now. To be or not to be. <laughs> that could be the headline for episode <laughs> 16. But um, I, I found a really interesting article as we were going to record over the last day. And... Um, I know we were all speculating with Brandon, sort of like maybe one day would they bid on SmackDown, but it was sort of far afield because they weren't really doing much original programming. So um, a recent article that I saw, they were talking about that that's where they want to go next. Things are apparently going well with their ad-supported uh, reruns. And now they're like, okay, well, we're doing well. What's our next phase of growth? Let's have original programming. And it reminds me a lot of like the early days of cable television, right? Like when cable first started, it was just, you had like a distribution point, but like not that much money. You might take old shows that people used to like to watch, but once that starts doing better and you get some more revenue, then you could start investing in some other things. What is going on with uh, Stonecutter Media and Tubi? So 
Stone Color Media um, is, uh, of course, Steve Carell. Um, uh, if uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, not the guy from the office, but uh, or Carol maybe, <laughs> but um, one of the producers from um, you know the old ECW days. So he's remained Carol, yep, and um, and has bought um, like the rights to CZW tapes. You know, I don't want to speak out of hand, but if you actually look it up on like who owns like the the copyright or trademark to czw like you'll see stonecutter media so i don't know you know it seems like they actually own the company but that's never really talked about so everyone looked it up for yourselves uh, um just to confirm if, if i read that correctly so see if that makes sense but they have um you know the czw content they have the three pw content where as you know this these tapes get a little bit older and being from the early 2000s or you know all through of course nearly to date um you know you have a lot of names in there like uh kevin owens and so on but a lot of it is like lower quality um you know it was taped on the cheap um so you have the name so you can you can kind of get it out there like for pluto you know we've talked with with other distributors but you know that's something that would be appealing to them right you have the young bucks they're in czw um and tubi has some some pro wrestling to stream or, or to download as well. So they're making more money out of it. But, you know, at least in terms of what we've seen with Stonecutter, sometimes it feels like they're not doing things in the right way, meaning that, you know, uh, women's wrestling is a very big part about professional wrestling. Many respected wrestlers are, are women. And when they advertise it on like traditional pay-per-view, they'll be like, sex kittens um you know cat fight or whatever and it's kind of like for the women that are taking it seriously it's, it's upsetting and that was something that was going around um you know especially on twitter a few years ago um and sometimes with, with people that performed like for a czw like you put your body on the line and you know what how much did you make and now they're sort of making more money off of them i guess that's just that's just the business world that's life that's wrestling promotions but you know that sometimes with like without knowing exactly what's going on at stonecutter um you know sometimes like it's taken a little bit differently when when they distribute it as opposed to like a brand that you feel like is really invested in the wrestlers and you know has has helped them out along the way so are they distributing on tubi or pluto or both uh, they made an announcement like that they were doing both. I don't think it was like interrelated. It might have just been like the right timing. So with Pluto, I've definitely seen it on the aforementioned Pro Wrestling channel. Um, with Tubi, um, I'm not sure how Tubi does it exactly. I know, you know, I've contacted Catalyst Wrestling and they've talked about um, distribution, you know, through those type of, of platforms and so on. So you know, I'm not sure exactly, you know, how they're doing it on Tubi. I didn't have too much success finding wrestling on Tubi when, when I've, um, when I've searched uh, before, honestly, sometimes like you, you hear they're on these platforms and you're looking, you're like, okay, I'm here. You know, where is it? So I think part of it is this discoverability challenge. I always feel like it is hard to find some of these. You, I mean, you ever, try to think like oh yeah let's look up some cw sometimes it's really hard to find what you want or what you're looking for i feel like the accessibility sometimes it seems like it's good but it's not great yeah i mean like for me it, it's part of the fun sort of like 
finding wrestling <laughs> like it's never been easy like you know i mean now with youtube you can find stuff but like when you're looking on television it would always be like the oddest channel with like the lowest clearance and the worst reception and like it was like an accomplishment to find it so there's still a bit of that as, as like wrestling fans like you still sort of like have a higher tolerance right like you had the i pay-per-views and it like goes out in the middle for 45 minutes you're like a little bit upset but you'll still like come back and order it again or like the quality is so bad but you're like okay but i, I still want to give it a shot you know like there's something about like just loving the business that like there's that extra leap that you have to take, but like in, in terms of certainly like a mainstream, then, um, you know, it, it's very hard. Like the more, you know, they say like with a website, right? Like every time you have to click for something else, you have like massive attrition between people leaving from one thing to another, which is sort of like a concern with WWE Network now migrating to Peacock. Like if you have to click a button to like move your subscription over, like a lot of them are people just letting it renew automatically. So I think that they will lose a lot of people not to go completely off topic. It's going to be interesting because i uh, hearing it's not going to be very easy to, uh, to move it over. Yeah. The, you know, when, whenever you have that, like people, a lot of people just let it roll. But like when you have to like opt in again, like you have to like think about it. So, I mean, they'll they'll have their guaranteed money. I don't know if there's incentives for like um, additional increases. So it's more uh, Peacock's problem than WWE. And Peacock has lost to date. I think it was like um, nine hundred million. You know, it was a lot of it was a lot of money. Yeah, it was nine hundred million. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, let them let them figure it out. <laughs> as far as Ring of Honor, just to bring it back to them, because getting a little off topic, we kind of went to Tubi just because we had been mentioning it. But let's go back to Ring of Honor. want to mention something that you put out there, a cinematic match. And I believe it was in the Falls River paper, but I think it might have been pulled from the paper because basically where they had the match and the match didn't occur yet, correct? Yes, so I'm not following as closely like Ring of Honor's 19th anniversary announcements, but from what I was gathering with, from what people have responded, that um, nobody has uh, yet announced this match between um, Matt Taven and the Horror King. Um, and uh, they're in the, uh, the PAL in uh, Police Athletic League in Falls River. Um, so I read the article. It's very interesting. So like, the link is still there in my Twitter, but the article is gone. So it says, two pro wrestlers put on a show minus onlookers as part of a video shoot in Fall River's Police Athletic League building. Um, so, right, like I had the feeling that it was, it was sort of like a cinematic match or at least like an empty arena match. Um, and like what's curious about it is that the pay-per-view is, is taking place nowhere near there, but these are both New England people. So... Um, I guess they figured, well, why don't you do it close to your house? And they had connections. I think one or both of them had wrestled there for the for the indies. What I found most curious was that it said, instead of a flat rental fee, Ring of Honor agreed to make a monetary donation to the Police Athletic League. So, like, if you have a corporation utilizing your building, why not just charge them a fee? Why does it have to be a donation? So I was just curious that maybe they're like officially not allowed to rent 
the building for commercial purposes, like under COVID. So maybe like if if they're just doing it sort of like as a favor and take a donation, maybe there's more flexibility there, but that's my like pure speculation. It's interesting that the match didn't occur yet and they're writing it on the paper. I guess maybe they're not even following along to the storylines of Ring of Honor. Yeah, I feel like like one of two things. One, they figured like it's you know, it's like a local paper, like it's not really gonna get out. So what's who cares? They don't know about me and my five hundred Google keywords. <laughs> and then once I find it, then I'm like tagging everyone in the company. I'm tagging you. I'm tagging all the reporters. <laughs> so everyone, somebody was probably like, what is going on here? Uh, the other thing was that maybe they figured that the actual article would run after the match or maybe just before the show, sort of like uh, as help in selling the pay-per-view. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this article return, but either just before the pay-per-view, once the match is already announced, or um, after the match. I love it. They, they got to focus in on, on the storylines here. But let's move on to somebody on the other side of the United States of America. Championship Wrestling from... Where are they moving to? San Francisco? They got a new station. What is going on with the latest in championship wrestling from? Yes. So firstly, from Hollywood, a couple different stories. So a little bit of movement, which you would expect in the local syndication. So um, they have a new station in San Francisco, which is a pretty sizable market. Um, And, uh, you know, wherever you are, wherever you get on, I think, you know, kudos for that Saturday nights at 2 a.m. So no shade on that. Certainly, if you get a clearance, it's all good. Um, but um, again, it goes along with sort of how they are um, moving things along where they have a sponsor, like a, a key sponsor in these different markets. So interestingly, their sponsor here isn't like an auto glass company, which um, often comes up as their sponsor on television. It's actually another promotion. So maybe West Coast Pro, which I'm not familiar with. So maybe they use some of the same talent or you know, they're not ready to have their own wrestling show. So they just sponsor it and helps get them on on the radar so you know with the transient nature of like syndicated wrestling especially from an independent promotion it's always good to see that you um like if one station you know they move on or you move on you're able to pick up another one and then they were also renewed in corpus christi which so dave marquez had a a busy week um there so KZTV and the CW South Texas. Um, he thanked them for renewing it. But most interestingly are the um, the offshoots to me now. So Championship Wrestling from Memphis. So when they first started it, feels like a year or two ago now, um, they basically took the, um, the Hollywood tapes and they rebranded it. They had a, a couple local... Um, wrestling uh people i i think it's I, it's a couple i'm not sure if they're married or um just boyfriend girlfriend um uh so they were like going to the studio and they they would introduce the matches but now they're actually going out there and and taping they actually had a a very long taping in uh in memphis and it's airing on the cw30 so that's nice to see the the progression there um 
as they like go to local markets. Um, this is something, of course, that they have been doing successfully with championship wrestling from Arizona for a number of years, where it's not only a rebranding or repackaging of their program, but um, but it's actually its own promotion now. Like they're all over the place, right? I mean, they're uh, San Francisco, Corpus Christi. They're in, um, obviously, Hollywood, Memphis. I mean, they're all over the place. Yes, and, you know, they, they keep they keep expanding. There's always something, always some sort of announcement from Dave, which is great. It's sort of like this, this great, like, independent success story that is not often talked about. Like, they don't have a buzz of a GCW or, or something like that. It's sort of, like, quietly, but they're on all these mainstream networks, either over the air. Some CWs are, like... On, on cable because they don't have an over-the-air network, but like it's noticeably branded stations. Um, even here in New York, they're on, um, uh, you know, um, deep in the dial late at night on like a, a cable station, but they're here, they're on in New York. So, um, you know, good for them. They have a really uh, good footprint. So they renewed in Corpus Christi, Texas. They're in San Francisco. They're doing... Uh, Memphis. I mean, they're they're kind of making a, a big footprint, and they're kind of you know doing uh, a lot of big things. Do you think a lot of people are watching? I mean, are we able to tell ratings and see if they're making money? Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to tell. I feel like um, this local sponsorship seems to to work for them. I don't know if it's you know how it works out with the contracts. Whether you you split that with the network or you. You buy the time and then you get um, a sponsor and then you make money from that. But this strategy seems to work from them if they're, you know, not in them, if they're repackaging the content for the market, they sort of rebrand it a little bit there. But it seems to be a goal to, you know, make some inroads in the market first with your general show and then brand it for the local network and then then begin taping there um, and then get local sponsors there. So that that feels like, you know, the model, but, you know, um, it seems sustainable for them, you know, for a number of years. I'm sure Dave isn't going to throw money at something for a number of years if it isn't working. And this, this seems to be working. I remember, um, you know, a number of years ago now when, you know, they first started taping out of L.A., of course, and, um, you know, there was a move from SmackDown and they sort of like got got like a good foothold there and then just kept growing. I, I'm sure it comes down to Dave's knowledge of the, um, you know, the TV industry. And I know that you've had him on as, as a guest mm -hmm. on, on the, the flagship, on the mothership. But um, <laughs> but I'd love to uh, get him on as a guest sometime soon on this program, although I'll. I'm going to slow my roll a little bit because I like having these shows where we talk about the news. Sometimes I overfish and then, then we have to figure out when we'll get the news in. So I'm going to be a little bit calm about that, but we do already have uh, a guest in the pipeline uh, in a few weeks. Now, this model, is this an old model? Would you say this like kind of syndication, local sponsorship model? Does the strategy really work anymore? Because he's kind of the only one that's really done it. I mean, I guess he's done it successfully, but he's kind of the only one doing it. No, it's a great question where, I mean, certainly, you know, in the territory days you had it, it was branded from that, from that territory. Or if it was 
national, it was the same feed. And it, there was just an appeal of hearing that it was coming from Hollywood or if it was coming from New York or, or something like that. But to to have this show and then like brand it for the market, I feel like that's unique. You know, there was things like WCW New York where like they just said New York. I don't know if it had like a New York feel. I used to fall asleep for the CBS 1230 AM show on Saturday nights a lot um, before watching much of it. So I don't remember that as a kid exactly how they branded it. But, you know, it, it does feel like like something unique and it, it makes sense. And it seems like a really good idea where you kind of you get a foothold and then you grow it um, locally uh, if you can. The next thing I wanted to talk about was SWE Fury down there in Texas. I talked to Kevin Sullivan, who's on the booking committee down there and does some uh, commentating as well. I've talked to uh, a few people down there, James Beard included, who helps run the uh, the mothership, like you just mentioned, their mothership down there. As far as what they're doing, it seems like they're definitely growing. They're definitely getting bigger. But what can you tell me about the growth of the TV distribution for SWE Fury? No, and I didn't know that about Kevin Sullivan. That, that's that's awesome. That's great to hear. I'm going to have to start watching their um, their programming more because I'm yeah, uh, you know, obviously a big big fan. Um, but um, you know, every time I look, um, you don't really hear about it. It doesn't float, sort of. You know, it doesn't reverberate much, but every time I look at their website and their social media, they're sort of they have a new clearance. So they impressed me initially by just having um, a number of over-the-air clearances in Texas, CW33 in Dallas, ABC7 in, in Tyler, which is cool because ABC7 is in New York too. So, um, and uh, Lufkin, Texas, uh, Channel 9, ABC, but they've gotten out more. They're in Baton Rouge, CW21, South Central Kentucky, the CW12. So maybe we'll have some rivalry with OVW, somebody else we spoken to on here before um but they're also on the action channel which is the uh they're on a, they're on t in 24 cities according to this through the action channel which is through the diginet so i don't know you know how well that carries but but that's impressive so you know you have these five over the air networks you have the the diginets so nearly 30 channels they have their youtube going so there's something happening here i'm very curious sort of like about how this growth is being fueled because they have, um, uh, you know, a lot of known people there. So I don't know if somebody is spending a lot of money or it's just, it's just going well and growing from here. Um, you know, not to, not to cause any problems, but when I have popped into their YouTube and it looked like the shows are taped recently, the arenas looked, uh, you know, they were doing good crowds. So, good for them but there didn't look to be any masking or social distancing that i noticed so cue the kermit with the t um mame um it's none of my business but, <laughs> but as a new yorker that did that did strike me so everyone take that for what you will um but um but yeah the, the tv growth has been impressive and i'm curious to see what's what's happening and you see a lot of people that uh that you don't see, um, you know, that are names that you don't see participating that much in other, um, you know, in other promotions. Yeah, they are doing a good job. It's very cool, slowly but surely, definitely getting a little bit bigger. One of the only shows that really, obviously, besides the Big Eat, that have been running consistently for the last couple months. 
Um, maybe uh, Texas, obviously a little different with the mask and the social distancing, but they they do what they have to do. I know they do have a limit on people in the building, so they did have turn away crowds recently, which is one of those things where you know maybe normal circumstances wouldn't be turn away crowds, but it just sounds great. It's like we're a turn away crowd at this show, so that's how popular we've become. Yeah, and um, you know when I look at the rosters, a lot of names that you don't see touring around all the time, but they're known people like uh, Charlie Haas, Rodney Mack, yeah, yep. Hala Hala Hala, Teddy Long, which is awesome. I I think that's like great to have that like as sort of like the centerpiece of the promotion because it's something everyone you know feels comfortable with. Like if you watch SmackDown, my mind goes all the way back to Doom, um, which would yes. be awesome to have like Ron Simmons. Uh, maybe he's even visited there already but um jazz so like it has a certain feel like that like um mid-2000s smackdown feel which is mark henry i see has, has stopped by mm-hmm. um you know which is a good place to be that that over the air smackdown used to get really good ratings especially compared to today the SW Fury has definitely been picking up a lot of steam lately. And you're right, a lot of those names have been pretty cool to kind of see back in there, especially Charlie Haas, who was kind of you know, off the radar for a bit. Um, hadn't been wrestling for a while, I don't think, but he came back and he was in pretty damn good shape. So I like what they're doing over there. Yeah, I'm very curious to, um, to see how, uh, how things progress for them. According to Kevin Sullivan, they were looking at their ratings, you know, for this indication and stuff, and they do better than ROH, Impact, and MLW. So, not sure if that's an exact uh, science, if that's exactly 100% true, but that's what he said. He said they're actually outdrawing them in, in, the, in certain markets. Whatever Kevin wants to share and in specifics in that, we'd love to, we'd love to hear that, <laughs> right? At least I'd love yes. to. I think all of our listeners, certainly. As far as the Savoldi library, this is kind of interesting to me because now I'm seeing it on high spots and I'm seeing Bill Apter being the host. What is going on with this great, great Savoldi wrestling library? Yeah. So, you know, for those that aren't familiar, and I'm, I'm sure you're a big watcher too with Sports Channel uh, America back in the day, um, the I. IWCCW, um, at a certain point, they sort of combined with World Class when World Class was finished, or ICW. Many of us are familiar with the Tony Atlas, Big Steamboat feud, but they had the Tasmaniac, Tommy Dreamer. Everyone remembers Curly Moe, who's sort of like uh, an underground um, favorite. Um, but the Savoldi family had been purchasing you know, various wrestling tapes for uh, a number of years. I think they own the right to some tapes from Puerto Rico. So it was curious because um, you know, it's a pretty large size collection in terms of volume, but, um, and some names. So you know, to see it suddenly emerge. So Bill Apter was first hinting that something would happen with the Savoldi tapes. And then I saw it, you know, appear on high spots, which is curious because you don't really see high spots that much anymore. Like high spots sort of feels to me like a little bit of like, you know, before sort of like pre-AEW, I guess if that makes sense, sort of like when things were a little bit more underground and like, you know, you couldn't have access to as many of these streaming services, a company like High Spots, 
you know, was more on the radar. I don't want to say similar to our video because our video has its own sort of um, uh, associations, which I don't want to paint high spots with that at all, but sort of like that's what it felt to me like. So to see it appear in high spots was a little bit surprising because, you know, I'm curious, did they reach out to, to Pluto? and our friends at Mark Out Now, and uh, were they looking at other ways to distribute it, or was it sort of, you know, somebody reached out to Bill Apter and they made a connection to High Spot. So, um, you know, I'm just curious to see, you know, how that will how that will play out. Now, call me crazy, but I just feel like because of COVID, because of the pandemic, High Spots went a little bit, um, not out of the beaten path, but maybe out of something they haven't done in a long time and when to do this. I feel like it's kind of a great thing to add to their network. And if you go to the highspotswrestlingnetwork.com, they got a lot of great stuff on there, but this is kind of different from what they've done recently. And I don't know, maybe if COVID wasn't going on, maybe it would have been not this, it would have been something different or they would have kind of stuck to maybe some of the current guys and do that kind of stuff. Cause it seems like they went away from classic footage for a while and were focusing much more on current wrestling. Yeah, and didn't they, like, sort of connect with IWTV for a while? Like, it kind of felt like... Yeah, yep. It was kind of felt like one became the other, but it sort of didn't, so I wasn't sure, you know, how that all played out. Yeah, with High Spots, they used to do stuff, and they were a while back uh, with Michael Elliott over there at Elbow Productions were making a lot of great documentaries and stuff. And I know that slowed down a bit because of COVID and different things. So um, I like when they do the classic footage. I, that's like that's my favorite part of what they do. Not to say anything bad about the current guys. I mean, that that's good and great for, for that kind of crowd, but I'm much more of an old school guy. So this Savoldi thing definitely uh, raised an eyebrow for me because it's pretty cool, and I think that they should do more of that. Was High Spots the ones that made Barbed Wire City? Yeah, I want to say yes. I'm trying to think who was behind that entirely. But I know uh, when I got it, I got it from them. So I'm trying to think if they they just distributed it and you know maybe bought some sort of rights to it or they licensed it or whatever to sell it. But I thought I could have sworn that was them. So I have a funny, funny story about this from whenever that was uh, seven, eight, nine years ago. So it was the only thing I ever ordered from from High Spots. And, um, you know, it came in like the little packaging with the DVD. And um, it came when I was at work. So my wife uh, called me. She's like, oh, did you order uh, a video from High Spots? I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I did. Why? You know, what's what's the matter? She's like... I don't know, it's just something about China, something about one night in China. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, I ordered, um, I was like, I ordered Barb Buyer City, the ECW documentary. She's like, well, this doesn't look like that. So I called them up. I was like, I think you guys sent me the wrong uh, video. My wife has questions now. So they were very good. They got, they got the right video to me. But it was just like only in the wrestling business. <laughs> that's great are you sure you didn't order that are you sure <laughs> but yes very very sure i you know not not to speak of uh you know china's acting abilities or the content of, of such a video but but that wasn't what i was uh purchasing at that time yeah i'm not sure if if they're like directly responsible i know they did distribute it so because um, I know that's that's where I saw it as well, and I got it uh, from High Spots. But man, they made some great um, 
documentaries uh, through you know through their time there so i love when they do the the old school stuff on harley race and jim crockett promotions and the rock and roll express yeah i mean i, I like all that stuff yeah i, I think that's that's great if, if somebody that's like really committed to things and captures the business in that way especially outside the wwe you get sort of uh, a different feel for things and i think like to be competitive in today's market like you should have content like that because you know each promotion it's fun to watch but like there's just so many names and so many promotions that like just having wrestling to like throw out there it, it's very hard and then if you're waiting for that that content you know to have names sort of like as classics then those wrestlers have to break through into the mainstream and sort of that you know there there's a big waiting game there Next up, let's talk a little bit about your favorite, Triller. Are they a potential future player? What's going on with Triller? So to me, I'm not sure if you had, like, how long they've been on your radar, but it was like they sort of came out of nowhere for me, sort of like as this modern sort of TikTok sort of platform that seems to be really well-funded and you know, the, the people behind it seem to either they like boxing or they sort of see it as a great way to build up their platform. So um, they've been bidding on, on big boxing matches um, and, and sort of making some waves in that industry. So, you know, whenever you think about like a, a streaming type of service or social media service, and if you're betting on boxing, I, I could see pro wrestling being an even better fit or at least... Um, comparable fit so i'm just curious if this you know this obviously well-funded company at the moment that's making these waves um that's apparently been around for six years although just started hearing about them um if they get into pro wrestling that just might be you know another competitor somebody else for for companies to uh to look into i was thinking the same thing as you it's like man they they came out of nowhere i don't i didn't you know recognize them or see them kind of any place it was just like wow like who are these guys you know like you know they're doing mike tyson fights like who the hell are these guys yeah they've been uh they've been celebrating that uh, tyson um jones fight like I, I follow all the executives on linkedin like uh, <laughs> they're always like um talking about like the financial success of it whereas it was like critically it wasn't you know thought of well um but you know it was a great leaping off point or jumping off point for them because now they're um uh you know they're they're getting into all these sort of fights so it'll be curious i could see it really crossing over to pro wrestling and you know if they're willing to spend this type of money like you know what could they what could they build up i think there's still room for not necessarily another promotion but for like like interesting names like if you bring in like like if you come up with something interesting like for let's say Batista, and um, you know I'm not sure if I have somebody else off the top of my head that that hasn't been around much or maybe in between free agency and you have sort of like Batista wrestle that person like you know I think people will be willing to pay for it. Let's say like I'm not not suggesting this necessarily, but let's say like. Hulk Hogan, he gets clearance from the doctor, right? He's not going to wrestle all the times, mid-60s, but people would pay to see him. And, like, the bigger promotions are sort of afraid, you know, somewhat rightly so because of, you know, the different things he said on recordings. But, like, 
you know, an outlaw type of streaming service that doesn't care and wants to make money. Like if you've promoted Hulk Hogan versus Batista, I think you could do quite well. Hey, I would probably buy it. As crazy as that sounds. Now let's talk a little bit about F-A-S-T and that growth. I know we kind of talked about this a little bit with uh, Marquette Media a few weeks ago, F-A-S-T and, and what's going on there. I feel like very similar to over the top. Is it is it different? What's let's talk about the growth of Fast. Yes. So uh, much respect to Gavin Bridge of Variety VIP Plus. Um, just to put it in perspective, you know the care and attention that Brandon Thurston gives to analyzing the pro wrestling business. Like Gavin is sort of the equivalent with like media and streaming, and he has all these charts. And every day he's dropping something new. I'm like on LinkedIn, and I'm sharing it on on Twitter. So um, you know, you definitely want to. Um, give him a follow but sort of oh now i see unfortunately it's behind a paywall where it wasn't when i read it but it just um it just goes to show you know how quickly a lot of these services are moving and one of the most interesting parts about it was looking at, at like who has the unique channels like pluto has many like of their own unique channels. Whereas like you can look at some of the other services and like, okay, like, okay, everyone has this and everyone has that. So it's sort of like finding your competitive landscape because if you all have the same channels, it might just be like, which is the easiest to, to stream or the one that's most visible already, you know, on your phone. So as far as the difference between FAST and over the top, can they kind of cross, you know, cross the streams there? Or is, are they, you know, very, very similar in essence? So they are very similar. And that's why it gets confusing, but they're starting to distinguish themselves. So certainly like the fasts are, are ad supported as, as in the name. So sort of like that's baked into it. So when you're watching those programs, like you have that expectation that, ads will pop up whereas if you're playing uh, if you're paying for a netflix or disney plus or amazon prime then you have the expectation that it's just you know just a clean experience but one thing rolls into the other because um my primary source is is amazon prime for better or worse because i have these fast um, plugins or apps but when i try to upload them through Amazon on my TV, they load very slowly. But when you're looking through Amazon's search engine and they say it's free to watch this particular program, it'll take you to Tubi or it'll take you, you know, to somewhere else. So, you know, one sort of rolls into the other. Interesting. Interesting. So it technically is just a uh, free ad supporting uh, streaming service for TV and over the top, sometimes you normally would does, does not have ads, right? I mean, they usually don't have anything. Right. Um, you know, some might have like a mixed model or like, um, some might say like, uh, it's this amount if you'll accept ads and it's double the amount if you don't. Right. Like that. So they right. play. And yep. that's, I think, um, 
I think with Peacock, there will be, or or there is already that sort of setup where like, if you're willing to take ads, then um, it's a different price. I feel like that was the early days of like internet browsers. Like <laughs> there'd be some mm -hmm. browsers where it'd be like, yep. 70% of the page was like, maybe it's like uh, for wrestling comparison points, like a PW insider, right? Yes. Like, yes. You need the blockers to be able to get any content um, out of there. But, um, but yeah, like, you know, that, that convenience um, factor. Now we're talking about services and streaming services. What about Roku and, and the usage of Roku? Yeah, so um, Light Shed, uh, which is, um, you know, they're a um, research and uh, investment type of company. So Rich Greenfield was tweeting about it and said that usage of the Roku channel has increased from 27% of active accounts to 41% over the past year. Um, so things, uh, things keep growing with L Roku. They definitely have a... Uh, lot of uh, growth and uh, Rich also wrote about how they're in the original content game, which we talked about sort of that progression. Yeah, we had been talking about how they wanted original content kind of um, from New Japan, maybe not to start off, but maybe eventually. And we were talking about the growth of how big Roku has gotten where they're they're you know getting all these shows or you know networks and all these other things associated with them when maybe when they first started out it wasn't possible now it's easy for them it's like uh, basically they're getting their pick of the litter yeah you have to get your foothold and then sort of like invest more once you're known because people have to know that you're around and then once you're there and you have something to appeal to them it all builds momentum maybe that was one of the things that didn't work with quibi where they spent all this money on original programming and they figured people would just come there because it was so appealing but maybe you have to lay the groundwork first i have three rokus in my house which is sounds crazy but uh, got them on three of my tvs so i absolutely love roku big uh, big supporter so i'm i'm glad to see that the I'm not the only one. The usage is kind of flying through the roof. Nice. You've uh, once my uh, Amazon Prime Stick stops working, and they keep telling me to get the one with the uh, Alexa. Although we don't want them to monitor us, so we mm. haven't done that. I think I'll get a Roku. If you're listening from Roku, uh, we're open to sponsorship. We could do the yes. old slash uh, <laughs> business of the business. We're, we're open to we're open to all possibilities. But it sounds like an awesome tool. The next thing I wanted to talk about, Defy TV, a quote-unquote new station for men. What is this? Because I feel like Spike TV, we you know, used to say that forever, um, a part of their, you know, their, their catchphrase, if you will. So what's going on with Defy TV? What is it? So this rolls into something that we talked about, I think, in the earlier weeks and something that I just happened to love talking about, the digital network. So, of course, as... ATSC 3.0 rolls out something that actually Sinclair has um, a stake in. Um, there'll be more bandwidth for more television programming. So what a lot of um, networks will do is that if you say like, let's say I have an NBC affiliate, so 
I could do and besides my NBC, which is channel four or 4.1, I have bandwidth to use 4.2, 4.3, 4.4, and so on, which will actually be increasing um, if I'm using um, rabbit ears or I'm picking it up over the air, right? Especially for cord cutters, if you're interested in, in utilizing your, your TV in that way. So there's a lot of these stations rolling out that are specific genres like crime TV or... Um, you know, that that sort of thing. Uh, we know with, with Sinclair, there's the Charge, the Comet type channels, the uh, Stadium TV. So EW Scripts is a big player in the multicast. So they came up with um, two new stations. Doozy is for women. And Defy is aimed at men. Um, that whenever I think of the male market, um, you know, I'm thinking, well, well, they want pro wrestling one day, but similar to talking about these um, fasts or OTT type networks, at first they're starting with um, old programming, or rerun programming. The big advantage for a scripts is that they actually own these programs already. So they're taking shows that are in their archives and they're you know just um going to program it in so there's no major investment at first but um the same way that we've seen other types of platforms grow eventually you want original programming so my mind goes to if you're having a station aimed at men which you don't hear much about anymore especially since a uh, spike is gone then eventually you know it might make its way to pro wrestling yeah, just one of those things where it's like uh, Spike TV. They kind of went away from that. Now they're Paramount Network. Interesting to see kind of branded, hey, new station for men. Hey, new station for women. You think you'd want to not do that and maybe get 100% of the audience. But hey, what do I know? The next thing to talk about, let's go back to Tubi, your favorite uh, Fox um, affiliate, I guess you could say, or Fox app. Uh, so. Tubi wants original programming. They were kind of dominating the market and getting a lot of reruns and really kind of going about it that way. So now they want original programming. Is this uh, the right move in the right direction for Tubi? Yes. So I think, you know, especially if, you know, if they're careful about it, which I think that these type of fasts will be, then like you could really leverage yourself more of taking the momentum that you have of like running the math Singer reruns. And if you have a show that relates or appeals, then you can, um, you know, you could grow more and say, oh yeah, I like that show. Or you could do things that are not necessarily going to get huge viewership, but if it gets some viewership, it will help. Like, you know, um, mass singer after the reveal right like um you know if uh however seven eight million people watch the mass singer and if you say after the reveal go to tubi and you get three hundred thousand people of those eight million i think for tubi that's a big win but it has to be balanced with right like you want to keep you all on the fox station or serve your affiliates and so on so um so there's that balance there but my mind always goes to right we we had peacock certainly fox is their next big partner and you know what will negotiations be like um with fox next time and especially with sports 
uh, when we're seeing with the NHL deal, a lot of it is being rolled into the streaming. So I'm wondering, you know, how Fox would see things for Tubi with negotiating for SmackDown. Uh, we had referenced already several weeks ago, uh, Fox executive talking about how Tubi would be bigger than Fox one day. So uh, you'd probably want to put a, a prime asset on there one day. But I think that's sort of years ahead of ourselves. I love the I don't know the growth of it because it's funny when we were originally saying to be like, yeah, what the hell is this thing? Like, this is not going to be successful. Like reruns of what? What new movie is this? Or what like direct to DVD or whatever, you know, straight to DVD kind of movies around there. But they're getting more successful. And obviously Fox is seeing a huge growth in them. And, and once they start adding original programming, they're probably going to get even more popular. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting to see um, you know, who emerges. It seems like media eats media and the, the big media companies um, tend to come out successful. So especially if Fox like puts some power into this, it will, it will continue to grow. Next up, I wanted to talk about the NWA. They have taken all the things off of all their uh, footage they've have taken it off of YouTube and where everyone's like, oh, what the hell's going on with them? Did they sell it to somebody? What the heck is going on? All of a sudden, boom, they move all their stuff to Fight TV. What's going on with this? Yeah, so um, they have a pay-per-view and instead of um, streaming on YouTube and, and I'm not sure if they were on other platforms, it's, it's it'll just be exclusively on Fight. So, you know, obviously Billy Corgan is a, a smart business person and um, whatever number they gave him, you know, makes it sustainable, at least for the near term. Um, I know that uh, I had seen an article a few years ago where he was talking about the end game was, you know, to get on television, a paid television program to help sustain things. When it was first started, it was just, I guess, to put the product, showcase the product. So whatever fight is paying, you know, makes this worthwhile, especially when they know they can do a studio taping eventually, then, you know, you could just like when you're have other programming bought by television networks or streaming services, you know what your costs are and your budget. So you can build to that. You have the unknown of the pay-per-view. So that's the risk there. Um, I can't see these, these pay-per-views appealing very much. I you know no shade again on, on any of the talents, but, they just don't feel like they they pop much. Like every time Nick Aldis wrestles somebody, if it's not Cody Rhodes, it kind of it seems like somebody muscular from WWE whose personality has never really shown through. Maybe they have the potential for more, but it just doesn't have that buzz. It doesn't appeal to me. I, I don't know if it'll break through, but the studio programming from Atlanta, when they were able to do it, it was fun. It was different. So um, hopefully they'll be able to get back out there again. Yeah. Um, they will be taping soon. I'm hearing, um, from Aaron Stevens himself. I wish, I wish I had known that he was going for the world title though, because I talked to him last week and we were talking about maybe defending the tag titles. He didn't reveal the card because Billy made the special announcement, uh, as of Sunday that it was going to be Aldis versus Aaron Stevens for the NWA world title at back for the attack, the pay-per-view. Yeah, and um, I'm just curious who's working on the uh, the infrastructure of the NWA. Certainly, the 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 person leading the charge left under um, 
you know, uh, allegations. And then um, a couple other people had announced over Twitter and or um, that they were leaving too. So I haven't heard anything about who's actually scheduling these things and doing it. So I don't imagine Billy Corrigan is doing it. I imagine he's busy with other things. I don't know if it's some of the talent that's under contract that maybe they have a dual role, sort of like what people used to do with ECW, or maybe I'm sure someone's doing it that you know, that hasn't been announced yet. So that's sort of like what I'm most curious about. Now, what is going on with Dutch pro wrestling? Yeah, so not not your good friend and and co uh, co broadcaster Dutch Montel, but literally Dutch pro wrestling. So I'm always curious, sort of like when we had a great conversation with Adrian talking about um, you know not only pro wrestling in China, but sort of getting out there in Myanmar and um, Thailand and, and other markets, you know, I'm love to see like territories that aren't like burned out and that no one really talks about at least outside of their territory um, to see what's going on. So there was a recent film um, that was reviewed in film threat called ring of dreams, which is a documentary written by Willem Baptiste who follows Dutch professional wrestler Teng Kwa as he trains half a dozen or so potential new athletes. So um, I was curious just to realize that there is uh, Dutch pro wrestling out there. Um, the part that stood out to me most about the article is that like um, training someone, but like shooting on them a little bit, giving them a little bit of uh, st stretching. So the reviewer didn't really sort of like understand what was going on there. I wouldn't justify it myself, but like, you know, there was sort of like, that like lack of understanding or, or just not accepting it, which which I don't blame them for um, trying to understand what's going on there. But it made me curious. I I'm curious to see um, to see this wrestler Tenkwa and uh, and what's going on uh, with the Dutch um, pro wrestling scene. Uh, uh, you know, um, Bas Rutten had done the um, shoot wrestling. Uh, with um rings and then i think he was with new japan in a few of their matches but i don't think there was that expectation that you'd wrestle like a wrestler it was more to make it seem like it was more mma or or kickboxing so but you don't really hear about much pro wrestlers coming out you know of, of holland or that are dutch pro wrestlers yeah it's interesting to see like the different wrestling scenes like you said with adrian and and now with the dutch pro wrestling it isn't like to see what is popular and where and if pro wrestling really can kind of grow all over the place. Yeah. And I'm always like, you know, I feel like wrestling is, is always um, pops once they get like decent distribution in, in like a new market. So whenever I think about markets that don't have a lot of pro wrestling going on, I think about like, is there opportunity to, um, to grow it more? So, you know, could there be a Dutch boom uh, for uh, pro wrestling, kind of like there was in Italy in the uh, 2000s, where like Kishi had his team out there and yep. Ultimate Warrior was there. And then, of course, WWE was huge with their uh, Panini sticker cards and Rey Mysterio. I don't know, but um, it's just fun to to think about and speculate because, you, you know, you think about like WWE, that's such a mature product and that they're on TV everywhere. But like, you know, some places 
the inroads um, haven't been as big. Like we think about getting into China or getting into Russia, but you don't hear much about, um, you know, Dutch pro wrestling. Yeah, true. Not at all. Now, before we kind of wrap it up and head for the plugs, I want to mention this. WrestleMania is looking to have the largest crowd of the COVID era. They want 45,000 for each night. So obviously the two night total would be about 90,000 for WWE WrestleMania in attendance down there in Tampa. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm concerned, you know, as, as a member of this planet, <laughs> and of, uh, as an American, um, you know, 75% capacity, there's no opportunity for distancing, like anyone that's been to uh, a football stadium or baseball stadium, like the seats are already on top of each other. So like, maybe if you have, if you could be surrounded by five people, now you're surrounded by three or four, like. What's that really going to to do for you? So it is scary. For some reason, I imagine it as being more open air, but I think it's closed venue. So that's that is um, more concerning. But I'm, you know, in some ways, I'm surprised WWE waited this long. Um, you know, you would think like in Trump's era um, that like you could do something like this um, with less concern. Um, I know that Florida is, you know, open for business. Basically, um, you know, we're hearing uh, reports of, of spring break and um, everything doing things there. But we're getting closer, we hope, to ending this. And just to do something like this just strikes me as very irresponsible. I did get a Facebook ad from, like, I think Tampa Tourism, where I could order a, a program or a guide to Tampa, and it had. Um, WWE wrestlers on the cover. So I was like, this will be a good keepsake. So I ordered that right away. I haven't gotten it yet. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that uh, in the mail. There is something, you know, that that does appeal. I would love to sort of like get away from a week and imagine that things aren't the way they are. But unfortunately, they are. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast, um, you know, uh, although we're, we're taking it in a little bit of a humorous way, it is a very, very serious situation. And so many people were affected by it. So when it's, um, you know, an entertainment form that you follow and you see that, uh, you know, a company's acting this irresponsibly, you know, it is upsetting and it is something to uh, to take seriously, in my opinion. Right, let's go for the Pluggeroonies. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out my website, tmptempire.com. Lavi. Yes, so actually, I guess I have more of a direct connection with my uh, diatribe at the end here to my book, uh, Trump Mania, Vince McMahon, WWE, and the Making of America's 45th President. The 2020 Election Special Edition is available on Amazon. It's available in Florida, uh, but also across the U.S. and across the world. You can get the print version. You can get the Kindle version. But if you want to follow um, the news stories that we talk about all the time, um, follow me on Twitter, LaVeeMark, L-A-V-I-E-M-A-R-G. Of course, um, uh, to plug John's great um, website and feeds, you know, you could find this podcast, of course, with Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. Um, but I also created on my website on lioncubjobsearch.com. At the top of the page, I archived all of the business of the business podcasts so that you can just um, flow from one to the next or click on the ones that work best for you. Anything in store for next week? 
you never know what what the future will bring. Sometimes I'm thinking, like, what what will we be able to talk about? There's always something uh, something great to uh, to explore. All right, great stuff as always, Lavi. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in this week. We'll see you right back here next week for the business of the business. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.